you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app and answer a few questions. With Angie, you can book instantly at an upfront price or request and compare quotes from multiple pros so you can find the best price for your project. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I welcome you to the Nerdist Podcast number 483. Okay, just a couple quick things up top and then, uh, then we'll get right into the show. But uh, we're going to be doing At Midnight at the South Beach Comedy Festival April 4th. Tickets are at southbeachcomedyfestival.com. So, uh, yeah, we're going to try it at midnight live, see how it goes. And if it works, which I believe it will because we did it live for months leading up to the television version of the show, then uh, we'll tour it, I'm, I'm assuming, which uh, it's a it's fun. It's fun to see it live. It works really well as a live show. Also, I'm going uh, and doing some stand-up in New York May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, I believe, at Caroline's. I will be back there. Um, it's been almost a year, so come on out. Working on the new set. I'll probably shoot the special in about 10 months or so, the next special. So come on out and join me for that. Tickets are at, uh, or information for tickets are at nerdist.com slash calendar. This episode of the podcast is Annie Clark, uh, a.k.a. St. Vincent, who I've been a huge fan of for a very, very, very long time. Um, she has an amazing voice. I love her music. It's not like anything else. Uh, she also did a great collaboration album with David Byrne. And uh, she has a new album out, February 25th. It is actually a self-titled album, uh, St. Vincent. And then her U.S. tour begins February 26th at Terminal 5 in New York. Um, Annie's, uh, Annie's really funny. Uh, if you've, You may have heard her uh, on Comedy Bang Bang. But, uh, but she is a comedy fan and super cool and did a walk on at midnight. So I am now, she has now cemented my fandom for her by being extra cool. So here's the Nerdist Podcast number 483 with Annie Clark, a.k.a. St. Vincent. Now entering Nerdist.com. So we're all essentially here for a job interview, yeah. and then by the end, you get to determine whether or not we get the job. Oh, man. I did a bunch of speed, like PUD and train spotting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried too hard. Such a good movie. Yeah. Gotta watch that again. Yeah, yeah, it's a good rewatch. What do you do when you're on the road? Oh, um... Do you watch stuff you or do you shows, play games? Or do, besides the shows. The shows take up the least amount of time. Right, yeah. it's true. What do I do when I'm on the road? Um, I mean, that's a really good time to get like super get caught up on XYZ TV that you binge, you know, binge watching. Um, for a while there, I was watching, and I still re- I revisit it all the time. The Louis Show, and um, yeah. that was our uh, vocal warm up. 
like the Louis, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> up a half step, Louis, 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 you know. That's a good, like, that's good, that's perfect for the scales, mm-hmm. you go all the way up and down. Absolutely. Have you, have you been on that show yet? On Louis? Yes. I'm like, no, I haven't been on Louis. What are you talking about? You've done Bang Bang, you've done, uh, did you do Portlandia? Yeah, I did Portlandia twice. Well, then don't act like it'd be so shocking it that would you could be do shocking. It would be shocking. It would, not, it it would, would maybe shocking. You know, because, you know, like, that episode, it's a two episode, two or three episode um, thing where Parker Posey's on. Yes. That is the most beautiful fucking television I have ever seen. And then at the end of the season? Yes. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. That's that's a bummer. I mean, it's great. It's beautiful. But, like, it's a real sad. I like it that he gets that sad. Yeah. But, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I couldn't be on the Louis show because Parker Posey gave that performance on the Louis show. You know what I'm talking about? You wouldn't have to be her character. You could come on as a whole new person. I I know. I'm not. uh, Be a girl that Louis is trying to date on that show. Yes. Will, I, it, will it into existence? Okay, I'm going to work on that. <laughs> my, my mantra. Um, my mantra. Yeah, that is, a, that is a phenomenal show, and he sort of redefined what a... I mean, I don't know if I would call it a sitcom. Mm. No, no, it's just a show. But it is a, it is a situational comedy show, so technically... It's a, oh yeah, yeah this is it's, it's a situational comedy show is, uh, about depression. This is how old this desk is. That that's from Lucky Louie, his HBO show. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that one wasn't as good. That was good not, experiment. Yeah. Good experiment though. Yeah, you gotta have a first record, right? <laughs> he really tried though. He really tried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He really tried to do something different though, but it just there was something about it that just wasn't quite. Yeah. But to come back and do that one, I mean, you. No, go ahead. You well, just... I think he kind of addressed it in um, in a Louis uh, in Louis the new the revamped Louis. Remember when he's like he gets that he gets the show. It's like a it's like a um, what do you call it? When you rewind your brain and are reminiscing about oh, something. Oh, flashback. Thank you. Um, and uh, you won. You're Thank fi- you. You're I won. I won. And like, you know, what I'm t- you know what I'm talking about? He had a flashback episode. He's a flashback about- episode of when he's, it's the fictional, you know, Lucky Louie. And it's just like that old stupid sitcom trope of like nerdy whatever and like, wife that's too hot for him and then he says something totally shitty to her oh, right, you know right, what i'm right, talking right, about right, right, right. Yes, and he's like yes, i don't yes, you know yes. and he's like i wouldn't why would i do that and why would she stay here and still love anyway i'm talking too much about louis but... you're not talking too much about louis at all okay. but i i love the fact that um you seem like a huge comedy nerd i mean just in just from the stuff that i've seen you on and the people that i've seen you around like it really it, you you're kind of a comedy person well i love it i mean you know it's like saying you like comedy is like saying like you like pizza like everybody i think likes comedy but or like everybody likes music but um i find that there's i get along with comedians because i think there's some sort of like similar plight especially stand-ups because you're going out there and you are there's like abject failure Awaiting you? <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Around every fucking corner. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And same thing with same thing with music. I mean, it's like there's just um, you know you could be put in the the jaws of a failure. Really, I mean, it's high stakes. I guess is what I mean. 
I guess, but when I'm, I, I, I feel like, um, well, now it's different. I'm sure it's different for you because people come out to see you on purpose and people come out to see me on purpose. So there is a yeah. little bit of a safety net of like, man, most of the people here are going to have an idea. But I do remember the days when that was not the case and kind of feeling like, fuck, I wish I just had a song to fall back on because at least people could groove out to the music instead of these words, which they're really not buying into at the moment. Or yeah. at least you wouldn't be able to hear them chat during your set. <laughs> <laughs> playing, playing loud stuff. We did, a, we did the Vancouver Comedy Festival one year, and it was my, my best friend and I had this little musical comedy duo, so we did a show with Flight of the Concords. And it was a music venue so people didn't realize that it was also a comedy show because we were playing songs. So the whole time, yeah. they were just trying to talk over us. Yeah. They're like, there's jokes here. Yeah. Bar band. Oh, bar band. Yeah. No. yeah, we got we got we got bar banded. We yeah. totally got bar banded. Oh yeah. man, I know. But you know what? It uh, yeah, like when, when you were coming up, you definitely, I'm sure, had some rough nights, and so did I. I got booed off stage. Are you serious? You? Yeah. I don't, yes, I don't believe it. Yes. When was this? You know, I was, um, I, it was early. I don't think I had a record out. I was, um, you know, I, I, I don't think I had a label even. I, I might be getting the timeline confused, but I had an agent. And so my agent, um, who's kind of this, he's a great dude and a great friend of mine, but he's kind of like the stereotypical like tough Chicago guy with a cigar kind of thing. And he's like, well, we're going to put you on the road kid. And so I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll do anything. You want me to drive, you know, uh, uh, 12 hours to Lincoln, Nebraska to play for 150 people as an opening act. Like, yes, I'll be there. Just mm. sign me up. So, um, I was opening for a band called Midlake, which is a great oh, band. They're great. I know. And yeah. they're friends of mine. They're t- Denton boys. I'm that a Van Occupanther t- album is fucking awesome. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, it's a great record. It was on that record. I was so that I mean, you know, there was a lot of um excitement behind that band and that record was so good and so beautiful. And they have a new one out too that's really great. Um but I was we were in Minneapolis, we were playing the Seventh Street Entry. Yeah, you yeah. know it well? It's a good venue. Yeah. It's the little room, you know, it's like the kind of the, the metal punk rock kind of room. And um, I don't know, I didn't have any crew or anything with me. It's just I was doing it solo and um, something like if you don't plug an amplifier and your pedals into the same like electrical outlet, there can be grounding issues. And then those it, issues can create like a massive electrical shock on the microphone. Oh. So I didn't have any crew. I was just kind of haphazardly going up there to open for them and. Um, I uh, got this, m- went up to sing, start the thing. I got this like massive shock in my face. And getting shocked in your face is really fucking sucks. I mean, it does. <laughs> it's not it's a good place to get like shocked. Yeah. It's not number a good two place under to genitals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, but very close. Yeah, pretty close. No, it really is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I know, because me and my friends found like an electronic thing once. Shut where, up. Yeah, you just, shocked yourself in your genitals? You, you, it was just like, <laughs> yeah, it was just a weird That's night. That's how they had to get off. It was a totally <laughs> different yeah, type yeah, of a story. They were also we're ex- in front of people. We were experimenting. Totally we were 30. <laughs> <laughs> so you got shocked in the yeah, face in front of 150 people. I got shocked in the face, and then I was like trying to figure out what was wrong and whatever, and people started like, boo, and it was a Friday night, and people was beer, and people really wanting to see Midlake and people just started yelling at me to like get off the stage. Someone or getting shocked in the face. It's also like Midlake is the type of band that (laughs) douchebag fans. Yeah, you wouldn't expect that. Also, like that people would be aware enough to like, well, if she's opening up for him, most likely they know each other. Because it's not like, you know, they're just like, yeah, whoever the opener is, I don't give a shit. Local opener, that's yeah, 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 exactly. 
Oh my god. Yeah. So you know, like yeah. Were you able yeah. to finish the set? Um, I think I played like three songs and was like, oh fuck this. Really? And you just left? Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, not because people were yelling um, at me, but because um, I don't know. I feel like I had to like put a sock over the like some gnarly. SM58 that was just like the clubs you know local <laughs> people probably thought you were kind of being a diva about it totally not knowing how bad you got shocked it, yeah it was really yeah. I mean it sucked it's painful yeah. are but those... you stuck in there longer than say Cat Power would have <laughs> Cat Power would have fucking walked right off the stage <laughs> don't you think she would have lit her cigarette off the microphone and yeah. <laughs> fuck you guys <laughs> crying <laughs> do, do are, are house mics and music venues like house mics and comedy venues where they're they're super warped. Yes. And it just looks like, is this because this was dropped or so many people <laughs> have spit on it over the years that yeah. it's just way yeah. down? It starts to fall it's in on itself. warped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just looks like a super, the, the microphone's trying congealed. to give up. Just, <laughs> I, yeah, you, I used to carry alcohol wipes, you know. That was, that was helpful. But some, I mean, some of those mics just smelled so much like halitosis and whiskey yes. that you're like, oh, I just... Ooh. Yeah. I brought. I learned quick, and I brought my own mic. Brought your own mic. That, there, yeah. was, there was a guy, Adam, in his package. He would always like every show he would do. He would like bring out alcohol wipes and just wipe it down. Absolutely. Yeah, and people would make fun of him. He's, he's like, it's like I'm on the road. I'm not going to get sick. Yeah. Well, yeah. My friends, uh, Tom Lennon in particular, who does a bit where he like deep throats a microphone, <laughs> and he just like smacks the microphone on his tongue, and every time I see him do it, I'm like, no, yeah. you're a petri dish. Yeah. I remember one time I was, I was sick, and I was, like, first on a show of, like, eight comics, and, like, I got a napkin from the restaurant we were at, and then, like, when I went up, I put it over the microphone, because I just, like, uh, didn't want to get everybody else sick. Because you can't stop what's coming out once you're using the microphone. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah. That was very thoughtful of you. It really was. Yeah, but then I messed up when I was, like, kind of was on cold mess, and I messed up, I took the mic off. I took the napkin off, and I was like, oh, oh, good night, and just went right back on it, probably negating everything I just did. I fucked everything up. I fucked everything up. Um, but then, uh, so w- when you come off stage after, like, three songs and fuck this, what, what happens? Do you go to the mid-lake and be like, I'm sorry, the mic was, I'm going home. Oh, well, they were very, they, those guys are so nice, and they were very sympathetic. I don't, I don't remember. That, that uh, I know, I remember that dressing room being like, like most dressing rooms and clubs, like down a long, scary corridor that has graffiti in it, and like you can smoke in there. It's just, like, and there are couches that just no one should ever. Hey kid, sit. be careful walking down to the dressing room. Or people get killed. Yeah. Like, oh god. Uh, why don't you? Why don't like you patrol that? Yeah. Why would you let that happen? It's out of my hands. Yeah. Union guy, I gotta walk the stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not my problem. Yeah. I don't know where the hallway guy went. He's been gone for years. <laughs> So when did it, 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 <laughs> so when you finish a show like that and you're sort of like how do you deal with with that kind of a show are you over it pretty quickly or do you does it take like a day or two to sort of shake it off I would say like it, it's a night ruiner but it's not like a next day ruiner yeah it's like uh, it's not that bad yeah you've toured you've been, you've toured with a ton of really great um, you know we I did a podcast with Tim Delauder but what happened no. was it was at the El Rey and. The, uh, we, the almost immediately when we started talking, the the opening band started sound checking. Oh damn! And there was no place to go, so we tried to talk through it. And after a half hour, we gave up. I was never able to release it because it was so mm. it was so loud, and there was just no no place to go. But he seemed like a perfectly sweet guy. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. polyphonic spree. Yeah, yeah. And he was the leader. Tripping Daisy and Tripping Daisy too. Yes. Yeah. 
Holy I shit. love that band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you well, from Dallas? No, oh. no. Uh, uh, but uh, I just know bands. Because I, I could never tell with Tripping Daisy if it was like, I mean, obviously they were from Dallas. They were really big in Dallas, but I didn't know how far their reach Well, they had the, uh, what was it? I got a girl? I what got was a it? girl. Yeah. 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 That's a fun, I, you know, it's weird. I just pulled that song up the other yeah. day. I was like, I haven't heard I got a girl by Tripping Daisy in a while. A sentence that's rarely been true. Yeah. Manifested a new reality. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to start, we're going to start the Tripping Daisy uh, reboot movement. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to come back. Yeah. Well, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And I guess it's one of those. Some, it's, not, oh. it's not gonna, no. not really gonna work. Did they? Out. Did they yeah. come up to stage uh, listening to Ween's "Pushing Little Daisy" and make them come up? I don't think they did come on. That'd to be pushing great, Little Daisies. No, is it an intro song. No, another band song. <laughs> no, it says not. Daisy. No, two on the nose. What would happen is yeah. no one would get it, and they'd come out and be like, "Did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> come on, uh, ladies and gentlemen, not Ween." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Typically, bands don't like to be played on with other bands. <laughs> music the way comics do. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just I just have someone put on a Bill Cosby record. Yeah, absolutely. When I go up on stage. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, before when you said like, of course, most people like comedy. I think most people like to laugh. Oh right. But I don't know if everyone really, you know, it's uh, comedy. I would say is maybe not quite as diverse as music, but it's fairly the subsets of comedy, the subgenres of comedy are pretty specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just hearing all the people that you're, you're like right in the sweet spot of all of the people that I, that I love too. Oh, good. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. How yeah, did yeah. you, how did that you John get... Darnielle spot? Oh, <laughs> or yeah. that, or that Ted Leo spot. He's a good dude. Those are good dudes. Those are great dudes. Yeah. Really great dudes. Yeah. Um, so at this point, do you, uh, because I feel like you've got some now you've got some pull to sort of do the kind of stuff you know like probably more of the stuff that you always wanted to do. So do you sort of look around and go, hmm, who would I want to work with or who would I want to reach out to them or how does that sort of stuff come together? You mean in terms of music collaborations? Yeah, or like, so like so like like the day like David Byrne yeah. or any of it. So did did he approach you or did you just say, hey, I like David Byrne. Let's maybe we could. <laughs> hey, I like your yeah. music. Want to jam? <laughs> yeah, just yeah, in a bar. Burn. Hey, man. I was like, I've got a djembe and a gig bag. So let's, <laughs> let's do this. That's all I need. <laughs> no, I did see a guy with a djembe and a gig bag the other day. Mm. Yeah, and it made me feel sad. And then I felt like an asshole for feeling sad. Because I, he's probably wonderful at that djembe and it brings it so, him so much joy. Sure, yeah. It's a real complicated instrument to master. Oh, come no. on. No. <laughs> Why you got to be a dick I'm sorry. Yeah. djembe? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Exotic Congo is what yeah. that is. <laughs> um, David and I met. In a, um, at a charity event in New York. We met at Dark Was the Night about mm-hmm. not, uh, nine, God, not nine years ago, 2009. So whatever that was, five years ago? Okay. I think. Yeah, it was five years ago now. Yeah. Jesus. Wait, and what's Dark Is the Night? I'm sorry. It's, um, it's an AIDS charity. Uh, they put out music compilations oh, of, okay. you know, like usually it's pe- people covering um, diff- other, other, other people's songs. Like I think the new one coming out is like Arthur Russell. Um, but this one was original songs, like kind of duets by people. Oh. And David was performing at it, and I performed at it a little bit. And we met at the after party, and he came up and he told me that um, my video for Actor Out of Work was really creepy. And I, <laughs> and I was so, like, so touched, like, so flattered by that. Um, <laughs> the, 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 yeah. <laughs> when the guy from Talking Heads tells you that your video's creepy, yeah. that's a huge yeah. honor. Yeah, yeah, you know, I felt like wow, and and then as luck would have it, like four nights later, there was yet another chari- AIDS charity event um, uh, at uh, this place called Housing Works in New York City. It's like a bookstore, 
they have thrift stores around and uh but but Bjork and the Dirty Projectors were doing a night of music. Like oh, wow. they had collaborated on some songs, like, you know, maybe twenty, twenty five, thirty minutes worth of music and uh and David and I were also at that after party and um People, I guess the people from Housing Works approached us and asked if we wanted to do like a similar night of music together. Oh shit! So we said, yeah, real, sure. Real but, natural, real like yeah. Yeah, but yeah. then it grew because um, let's think. We started. We wrote maybe four songs, and uh, I, I think I suggested we do it with a brass band just because I was thinking of the space. It's a small space, and you can't. There's not a lot of PA, and I thought, well, maybe it could just be a small brass ensemble, and then us singing, and then you know, call it a day. Um, so you suggested arrangements to David Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. I had to pretend like he wasn't David Byrne. Yeah. I understand. I know mind. exactly what you mean. You know? I know yeah, exactly what you mean. That's a good mean. point. Yeah. Just two musicians. Yeah. It's yeah. a good life skill, I think, to pretend like you have confidence when you're <laughs> terrified. <laughs> yeah. But, 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 what's, but that's, that's an interesting way into finding confidence and comfort with someone which is rather than trying to force yourself to be comfortable, just go, oh, they're not that... Per-. Like, to basically take away their the power that they have over mm-hmm. you to just, like, deal with them like a problem. I mean, we've had, the, you know, we've had to do that on the podcast before. Who? Yeah. who? Tell me who. Well, Mel Brooks. Whoa! Yeah, that was one. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Mel Brooks. Just, Tom yeah, just, Hanks. Because it's like the podcast only really works if we're just... Hanging out, yeah. chit-chatting. Joe, Joan Rivers, yeah, um, uh, Christopher Lloyd, Christopher Lloyd, wow, yeah, yeah, Harrison Ford. We failed at that one. Yeah, you did. Couldn't did you pretend. nerd out on him? Oh yeah, yeah. Really? But he didn't yeah. let us in, so there was nothing else <laughs> really? we could do. <laughs> That's yeah. what I realized. There was nothing else for us to do except for. Hey, it, you're great. He so, was just yeah. that guarded. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's just he sort of revels in watching people flounder a little bit. Like to him, that's very entertaining. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure for so, him and his friends, it was a fucking blast. So ima- yeah. you know, imagine you're standing on a balcony and there's a guy like gripping with one hand, like please, a little help. Yeah. And just like, man, that's a long way down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's sort of what it felt like. But you know, all in all, it was it was super fun. But yeah, it's really it's getting into those moments where you're like. Oh, we're just, you know, that's a person and he has a process and he's yeah. human and, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a couple of people I don't think I'd be able to hold it together for, though. Ooh. Bill Murray. Yeah. Yeah. Because Steve Martin would be another one. But just like guys yeah. where you just, there's so, there's so much of a legend surrounding them that mm-hmm. how do you talk to them without sounding, I mean, I imagine Bill Murray's life is like Groundhog Day. Where everyone, yeah. every day, people are just like, oh my God, Bill Murray. Yeah. And there's yeah, nothing you can say to him. That, that's the thing he says about fame. It's a 24-hour day job. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's just having to go, like, be, uh, like, at any moment, just ha- have to do these kind of small little jobs of like, hey, how you doing? I'm engaging yeah, you right now. How is, it for, how is it for you, like, in your day-to-day life? Oh, my day-to-day life is really mellow. Um, people, people come up to me on the street, you know, sometimes uh, and say, hey, I really like your record. And I say, thank you so much. What's your name? How are you doing? And then that's the end of the interaction. There's, I never, um, I don't like Google myself or, or like sub- subject myself to the horrors of, of the internet, <laughs> internet in that Good way. So, oh, man, no, I just, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. I'll be a but you are on Twitter. nervous wreck. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, but Twitter relies on like public shame, the public shame that civilizes us. Like yeah. it's not an anonymous thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that fucking you know the, that's the tone of voice I imagine on like I hope they just spelled out fucking fuck fucking they're just like their keyboard splattered with cum they can't <laughs> 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 hashtag <laughs> 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 
imagine it to be. <laughs> no, my, my was a good thing, you guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't get, you can't read an emotion. <laughs> I didn't know how else to convey it. <laughs> my, my, come on. Um, yeah, because you, yeah. you have a shit ton of people following you on on the on the tweets these days. I do, days. yeah, but you know, I mean, I don't want to like, I don't want to pull back the curtain too much, um, but I was on. I was like, it was like some kind of Twitter bug where I was on their homepage. It's like people you might like to follow for like fucking two years. So oh, that's oh, great. Wow. So I think, I mean, I'm sure that there's there's a legit number of people of those like 420 thousand people that are like fans. Mm-hmm. You know, like I might put that number at 60 thousand, but the rest of them I think are mostly people who like signed up for Twitter in 2008 and then forgot their password. And, sure. Yeah. 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 You know. So. Spam bots. Spam bots, exactly. There's a spam bot. There's a spam bot contingency as yeah. well. What yeah. is that? I don't know, but a lot. But the spam bots are getting smarter and smarter because they're getting more and more conversational. Hmm. Where it almost seems sort of personal until they're like, "And thanks for that new diet tip." Oh, you almost got me to <laughs> click on the thing. You're always doling out diet tips. Well, the first time it got me, it almost got me. That's how you. That's how your account gets fished. You click on a link, and then it, you know. It links to your Twitter account, but uh, you got to be really careful. But I have, I wrote a book where there is a section about like nutrition, and so someone's like, "Oh, you're do diet tip," and I was like, "Oh, someone read the book," and I went to click, and I went, "Wait a minute," and I clicked on their profile, and it was just all of that tweet to a bunch of different uh, people. Oh. So wait, what are you talking about? Like your account gets. Fished. And I do you spell that with a ph? With a with a ph. Yeah, it just yeah. starts jamming. <laughs> no, it's a, <laughs> it's a long yeah, jam yeah, band exactly. that will end. Just like a tweet after tweet. Lots of weed wanking off. Yeah, you know. Ugh. Yep. So indulgent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it can. Um, it, it, some malware can gain access to your Twitter account. Oh no! And tweet on your behalf, or uh, yeah. So you just have to be careful what links you click on. I change my password every few months. That's a good idea. It's a, it's, a, it's a good thing to do. I would do that if I remember. And it's also password. a good idea to go into your settings and see what applications you've given permission to access your Twitter account. And you might find that some of them you didn't access. So you just, you just want to make sure that it's, you know, you go into settings and you go into like, mm-hmm. I think it's apps, and then it'll tell you what other, at what third party software your Twitter account is linked to. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to do that. It's a good thing to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll be right back with more Twitter talk. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Jonah. It was like a oh, minute of Twitter talk. I know. I know. I'm sorry. It's like one minute. Of, I'm going to say really great Twitter advice, as a matter of fact. Part, you had to shit the, on it. As far as Twitter advice goes, the most practical I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, don't make it sound sterile. It's good. No, it was great. It's good. I Thank was, you. I hadn't talked for a while. I needed to hear my voice. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I needed to hear my voice would be a great name for a comedy yeah. album. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best name for a comedy album. Oh, that's great. Oh I loved uh, I loved Moshe Kasher's idea for like uh, uh, he, he wants to write a book about being a road comic called I Thought I Wanted This. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's a perfect transition going Segway. back into the because do, do you do do you tour bus it or do you fly in and fly out? Oh, I tour bus it. I mean, it depends if, if it's like a um, if it's physically impossible to get there in a bus the night but usually it's like usually like I'll tour the US and it's in a bus and then it, this is so boring 
I it's, just started boring myself. It's not boring no. yet. I'm so sorry. It's not boring. But, like, but it's okay. nice compared to a, a van, which I'm sure you've toured I've in toured vans in so many or vans. station wagons. Yep. I have toured in a station wagon, a minivan, a station wagon, and then, uh, yeah, and then, yeah. like, 12-seater, whatever. Now, are you able to write when you're on the road, or are you too much in the mode of, like, just getting through the shows? No, I'm just trying to, like, you know, keep my head above water. Like, uh... I enjoy. I mean, touring is a lot easier for me now because there's I, there is a bus. It's not a right. van tour. You're not spending like eight hours driving from whatever Des Moines to Akron. I don't know if those two places are eight hours apart, I have no but idea. whatever. You know what I mean? It's like it's a little more comfortable now, so I can um, be more like prepared for the show mentally mm-hmm. and just have a little bit of time in the day that isn't spent in a in a car. But um, but no, I don't really write on the road. There's not that time to like synthesize it and take it out and you know put things together. It's more like collecting ideas, just storing up. What do you uh, uh, mainly write on when you're like writing music or ideas? Um, like to col- just to like, oh my god, I have a melody. I've got to get it before it goes away. I'll yeah, like, record it into my iPhone thing or just sing it into it. Sing or... into my iPhone to, for if it's of like a kind of vocal melody. Um, and then I will. I'll write on guitar. I'll write. Sometimes I just open GarageBand and like type notes into the um, using the yeah, keyboard. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah, that's that's fun. <clears throat> yeah. How annoying if you're a musician in like the 30s and you were just out and you're like, I have a melody. Yeah. I have no way to capture this. Yeah. I know. I guess because I can't write down music or read it mm-hmm. really. So that I mean that would be the way you'd have to do it. I guess it's just like write transcript. To transcribe it yeah. in musical you know notes. You have to get some little some kid on the street. Timmy, remember this. Da, na, 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 na. Run home and tell my wife. Well, you know that's how Mel Brooks wrote all of his songs. He would have like a cassette recorder or some kind of recording device, and like uh, would go and it goes young Frankenstein. Like it just he would <laughs> sing it and like and then give it to a composer to figure out. Yeah, that's how he would write all the Whoa. songs. Like all the songs that like high anxiety everything. Wow. Does yeah. um do you, does do you think success affects the writing part at all? I mean, do you, do you feel like you need to be a little... Do you have any sort of like weird superstitions about, oh, if I'm comfortable, if I'm not hungry, then maybe I won't write as much, or maybe the themes won't be as deep because I'm comfortable? Like, yeah. Just sort of being an expression of what your immediate environment is? No, I know what you're saying. I, I mean, there's, like, there's a lot of gradation to it. So if I'm like... You know, when I was writing my last solo record, Strange Mercy, I I had a, a very bad year of life where I like lost people, and it was very sad, and it was a, it was, um, and so I did what a good Irish girl would do, and I drank my way through it, and then I came, <laughs> and then I came out. You know, I came out the other side of it a little bit about three months later, and then I started to sort of slowly write. But like, if you're really down and out, I can't write like that. I don't know if you guys can. Like, uh, depression is not a good place I, to write from. I try to force my way through it a little bit. I actually... My dad died last year, and I I'm was... Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, you didn't kill him. Um, and then I did a... Take her off the list. <laughs> I'm trying to figure I'm, it out, Chris. <laughs> they said heart attack, but somewhere there's a guy, a tiny, tiny person. Um, I, I, I did, um, did stand-up like two days after the funeral, three days after the funeral, I, I went up and, and performed because I just like needed to sort of like, uh, and I think that is, that makes me happy to be on the comedy side of the comedy music fence because with, with music, you're like, oh, I got to write this thing and rehearse it, you know, as opposed to, I mean, can you just go, could you just go up and rip something or would you need to kind of work out the beats of it before you, you went on stage with it? 
Well, I could maybe kind of riff it, but it would be a little bit like a, a uncomfortable jazz odyssey. I mean, it would, you know, I'd be like... Which is the name of your next album. <laughs> it might be a little fishy, you know? Um, no, no disrespect. Those guys are very hardworking. Um, yes, of course. Yeah. Of course yes. um, but, so, but that's interesting. I mean, I, I had another friend who recently, similar story, like his father passed and he... Um, had a gig like the next day and the the band was saying no, no don't worry about it we'll find a sub don't worry he's like no I need to play yeah. like it and did it help you was it cathartic to yes do it, it was because you know there's something about I mean the really great this is going to sound so douchey one of the really great things about comedy is is just this sort, or at least the illusion that we're kind of taking control of something by being able to find what's funny and human about it. Mm-hmm. And so on that level, it was really, I didn't really have a plan as to what I was going to say. I knew I was going to talk about some things in general, like how ridiculous funerals are and wakes and, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, and it was really great. Like it was really great. Cause it, you know, like there was a piece of the audience. It wasn't therapy per se. Yeah. So it wasn't like, and then that time that we didn't play catch, you know, yeah. like there was nothing like that. But you know what it was? It was like a, a thought organizer for you. It helped you kind of like assess and separate everything that was going on as to think of jokes for him or think, you know, funny ways yeah. to talk about You're right. Him. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It, it really just helped to, um, it was sort of the first time where I really felt like, oh, this needs to come out in a certain way and... I don't know how that's going to play out, but when I did, I it honestly it made me feel so much better. Yeah, so much better. Did you have it organized ahead of time and then go out go, go out there and riff, or was it one of those things you ever find where you are like, I don't really know what I think about this until I start opening my fucking mouth and yeah. then everything like, oh wow, that's my opinion. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, there were you know there were beats where I would say like, well, this was kind of weird and this is very strange about that and this. But I didn't exactly know how those beats were going to come out. And I didn't really know how I was going to get from one to the other. Mm-hmm. I sort of just hoped like, well, I've done this for a long time. So if I just start talking, hopefully it'll spit out these hay bales of, you know, whatever this is. And, you know, it wasn't it didn't all kill, but it still felt I mean that word, but it still all uh, <laughs> it still it still felt like, oh, there's something there and there's something kind of gushy in there that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, from that standpoint, it was it was really it was amazing. Do you do you. So when you say that you came out of this really tough year and you wrote the previous album, did that did that help you take control over it? And absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and getting to play that music and kind of coming, you know, songs start to, I'm sure it's a similar thing with comedy. Like, you know, you write it in one state and it means kind of one thing to you. And then you end up, you know, performing it for people and it moves and it changes obviously because it's reacting with with other people and, but your own feelings toward it and your own, maybe even point of view within it changes. So I found like, I found that it's a, a potentially corny thing to say, but I mean it, absolutely literally like music saved my life you know and that's what i think that's why i feel like there is some common thread between musicians and comedians like i think that there is some like psychic wound that we just share like there's like a self-loathing or a whatever it is that compels people 
to get up on stage and say, hey, listen, listen to what I have to say. Yeah. Like, that's a crazy thing. Like, it that's takes right. self-delusion. God, that's so yeah, funny yeah. that you say that. I was just, first of all, I completely agree. And I just, oh, my, my, do you know Morgan Murphy? She's a comedian. Oh, I know of her. I don't okay. know her. So Morgan's an old friend of ours from the old, like, we all did open mics together a decade ago. But I did the podcast with Morgan last night. We were talking about that exact thing where people say, like, oh, it's really brave that you could do comedy. And it's like, I, I don't think it's that. I think there's something warped about mm-hmm. us that makes us want to get up in yeah. front of strangers and be like, we just have the wherewithal like to me. not go on Look the street. Look at this. Yeah. Hey, attention. Hey. hey. Yeah. You know, that, that it's a very weird... Not, <laughs> like, I like what you said. There's like a wound or something damaged. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe that's painting it with no, too No, I too totally black think that's what it like, is. It's not what we can there's... offer the world. It's what they can offer us. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but there is kind of like a... You know, there is... I mean, because on the one, on the one hand, if it was just about expression then you would just write your songs and you would sing them to yourself in your apartment. Absolutely. But there's something else about it that makes you want to throw it out into the world and then just like see what comes back mm-hmm. or see how it can sort of meld with, you know, whatever kind of energy is out there in, in the room. And that's, I think that's a, different, that's a different kind of thing that I think freaks out a lot of bands when they get really big and they're like, oh, I didn't mean it. You know, this is bigger than what I had thought it was. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The benefit I think that we have, though, is that um, versus like you'll, you write, you'll write a song which is essentially I assume like an emotional snapshot of whatever was going on when you wrote that song and then like you said your opinion on it may change or your point of view on it may change and that may not go in a good direction but there's probably still an expectation when you play that people are like play that like when we perform people don't go do that joke from O2 like you know right, yeah. we constantly get to hopefully we should be like updating material every year or two yeah yeah well um I mean, kind of back to your question about, like, feeling ownership of it. I mean, once it's out in the world, I'm happy for people to, like, just put their own meaning and weave it into their lives and have it mean whatever it means to them and have it be special. So I don't feel like, oh, no, 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 let me explain this song to you. That's not what I intended. It's like, okay, no, now is the time for you to just back off. Um, But, yeah, I luckily I haven't written, I don't have too many songs that, like, there's a couple songs, I mean, for my first record, that, like, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't play because I just don't, I can't emotionally access whatever. <laughs> or, like, you know, I'm proud of everything I've done, but it's like, oh, no, that sounds like a, a show tune. I'm not going to play that song, you yeah. know. Well, that just is not yeah. going to fit but in. You, but, a lot, but a lot of your early stuff was you wrote when you were, like, 18, right? Yeah, I was a kid. So anyone, like, you know, dig up your diary from when you were 18... And then you know, it's, I was I was just talking to uh, Matt Pryor, who is the uh, singer songwriter from this band, the Get Up Kids. And you know, oh, I know the Get Up yeah, Kids. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was uh, talking to him, and you know, he was talking about how like do you feel the need to write new stuff all the time? And I said, uh, yeah, but what about you? Like, you know, uh, he's like, oh, well, like I have to play a song from the first Get Up Kids record that I have no emotional attachment to whatsoever n- anymore. But like, what he's done is he's turned it into another kind of emotion where he he knows if he starts playing it, the crowd's going to get really excited. Uh-huh. So for him now, he doesn't think about the lyrics from when he wrote it and what they meant. He knows that the song itself will like make the crowd excited. So now that's the energy he gets from playing the song. That's how he yeah. makes it feel new and fresh. Or you, could, or you could just play it totally. I mean, I saw Elvis Costello at Royce Hall once, and he played, he played watching the detectives like, as a, like a reggae song or something, yeah. and it just totally, it changed the song. And I, I as it, 
And when I was watching as a comic, I was like, I wonder if he's doing that because he just needs to like, keep it fresh somehow to yeah. himself and try yeah. stuff in a new way. Did the crowd go for it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, good. I mean, everything he did, yeah. they, everyone yeah. was well, you know, shitting their pants. Every time I've seen Eels play, it's they do a different version of every song. It's like it's never been the same show. The whole the banter, the setting, the way they play the songs, it's different every single time. Yeah, but fuck them because he used to date my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy fucks, fuck that bearded motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. She sad, has a fucking E man. tattoo on her ankle. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> it does for me. Wait, before he dated her after you? No, after. Oh, we're still God. together. What are you talking about? <laughs> Wait, who? He dated her before me. He dated Chloe? Yes. Like, fuck. I know. She's considerably younger than he Man, is. Man, Chloe's really cool. Fucking. <laughs> Man, to go from like the saddest guy to the most upbeat guy, that must be a weird change. I'm not upbeat all the time, Jonah. But no, like compared to E, he seems like he's a pretty sour grumpus. Well, he is, but you know, his uh, father was a brilliant physicist. Yes. Mm. His father uh, was uh, believed to be assassinated. <gasps> There's a whole Nova Science Now documentary about him. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like, he would say stuff all the time about, hey, if like, I die under any kind of like, odd circumstances, just know that it's, it, it was most likely I was murdered. Holy shit. Yeah, so yeah, he yeah. wasn't a paranoid schizophrenic? No, no, he wasn't. He was no. just working on, uh, you know, uh, unlimited free energy for everybody. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. The water engine. That still yeah. doesn't make her tattoo on her foot cool. It could be. Maybe she's way into the E network. <laughs> e network. <laughs> or just E, the number E, like the number yeah, E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, we should have him on sometime, and I'll just interrogate him. So, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> um, do- take, take good care of her, man. <laughs> Go on over Could to you just pull the beard house. back. I can't hear what you're saying. Yeah, I was like, oh, hold on, hello, <laughs> <laughs> Novocaine for the soul. <laughs> now you understand. <laughs> do you? Uh, not to get too personal, but do you do you date non-artist types, or do you feel like you date within the you know like music community, or what is what are you typically? I think you kind of have to date people who understand what you do. Yes. Like, I don't think it's ever, it ever works for anybody to be on tour and have someone like waiting at home. Oh right, you, know? like, yeah. you were out pretty late last week. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm a performer. I, know, I was like, really... doing two shows. Yeah. yeah, but it's tricky though because uh, you know you you could end up seeing that person more uh, if they don't really have like an artist lifestyle like you. It's like you know like with my wife, it's like she does animation, so I'll have to go out. And then she has to go and stay inside and animate for, you know, weeks at a time. And then it makes it so we can't really see each other. As if, though, if she was done with her work day, she could just go out and hang out and stuff like that. Who does she animate for? Uh, that- she, she's, right, she's at a studio called Six Point Harness right now. But uh-huh. They're working on Cosmos, the, uh, the new Cosmos. <gasps> with Neil Wait, like Tyson. Carl Sagan Cosmos? Yeah, they're re- yeah Neil deGrasse Tyson Neil deGrasse redid it. Are you serious? I mean, he didn't redo it. He just did a new version that of it. That is so cool. Executive producer, Seth MacFarlane. Strange, yeah? Very strange. going to be on Fox, too, He's I think. Fox. Is Seth MacFarlane a comics comic? Like, what's his vibe? Um, I don't know if he's a comics comic. He, j- he just kind of has his own sort of thing. Yeah. He just has his own sort of thing. Okay. I don't... It was a performer that made a... Like, he was like a sketch performer kind of guy that made a cartoon. He then... was a writer. Well, he, wore, he, wore, he worked on, like, Johnny Bravo. Like, he worked at Nickelodeon. Yeah. Johnny, or, I mean, Cartoon Network. Johnny Bravo. Yeah, it was an old Cartoon Network show. Okay. Um, yeah, about this. I missed that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was uh, late, late 90s. Um, 
and he was sort of a he was sort of like a detect, detective, maybe? No, just a, man. just a ladies' man. Sort of like an Elvis Presley type of a... Like an Elvis Presley wannabe. That's a cartoon for children. Yeah, I know. He's just a ladies' really? man? Yeah. Is yeah. that like Sim City, the cartoon or something? No, no, no. It, it was... Um, uh, I don't know. It was just a silly little comedy, and Seth wrote on that, and he then pitched his own shows, and yeah. then it just... Speaking of the honeymooners, his, yes. his uh, family guy has that kind of vibe, right? Totally. It like, totally has yeah. that kind of vibe. But it's, it's, the, um, uh, it's very referential. Like, that show is, is, I mean, like, even more so than The Simpsons, I would say. Yes, it's mostly yeah. reference. It's just a sketch show is what it is. It's like, you know, it's like that one time, this one premise happened. Cut to the right. joke for that premise. Right, Back right, to right. the story. I gotta say, the trailer for A Million Ways to Die in the Old West looks pretty fucking <laughs> looks funny. pretty fucking funny. Wait, what is that? Is that an it's animated? It's a live action movie that he's starring in. With Charlize Theron. As a, it's a comedy. It's a Western comedy. Yeah. Wow. Is Charlize Theron the love interest? She is. Oh, so yeah. that's what happens when, you, <laughs> <laughs> when you're the executive yeah. Once producer again, and like the creator. The okay. you know, like uh, fucking um, a Jackie Gleason type probably would not get an Audrey Meadows type. <laughs> yeah. And then be able to boss her around in their efficiency apartment. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. It's not really, but that's the old television. But it's like what you said with Louis, like the yeah. you know the uh, that sort of sitcom American dream, like fat guy, skinny wife kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah, you know, and she's twenty years younger and she's beautiful, and he's kind of a pig, but she loves him for who yeah. he is. That's ultimately the American dream. We just yeah. want a really hot girl to fucking love me for who I am, <laughs> yeah. which is a pig. Which is yeah. a pig, right? But I'm tired of having sex with her. <laughs> okay. that's, a, that's an odd thing. Like, it's like TV okay. for the most part. You're just like, like you know, like I'm, I feel like I'm happily married. But like it's like me and my wife, it's always like, are we supposed to like hate each other yeah. like, and not get along? It's like, it's like oh, the wife. Oh, boy. I'll tell you what I think. And, and, and since, uh, since we're, let's just get a little real on the situation. I'll on the third podcast? Shut up. So I'll tell you what I think that is born out of. I think, I think that whole idea of like. I think it comes from the same generation of like hate your job but do it anyway. Got yeah. it. It's like people married young because they're what they didn't really date. Like my father was married a bunch of times and he said it, it wasn't that I wanted to be married a bunch of times, it's just if you met someone you liked, it was socially acceptable to just marry them. You didn't really date for a long period of time because yeah. it was sort of like you couldn't really li- like living together was even kind of weird, and so you just married someone. So people would get married young, and they were sort of society sort of said like you're supposed to stay together no matter what. And so I think they they would sort of realize through their twenties like oh you know like you do oh we're not right for each other I should probably have a different relationship right. but they stay together and then ultimately this like comfortable resentment bubble was formed <laughs> and I think that's where a lot of that that sort of came from yeah that's a very good point yeah um, but exactly. we don't have to do that anymore right it seems yeah. anachronistic now yeah definitely yeah. It seems like the worst idea yeah I mean unless you're gonna have kids I don't really see why you get married why you get married I know. If, if you don't you know that's a blast we get tax breaks now oh it's the best <laughs> I love it how much of a tax break do you get <laughs> about to find out but from what I've been told it's gonna be okay really yeah yeah huh <laughs> also what I, what I what I'll do what I will say though it, it does put like a nice like 
think about like those the best moments in any relationship you've had and then you get married and then it's like all the little arguments just kind of get glazed over because you're like I'm not going to fill out paperwork over this thing it's, it's, oh yeah, yeah exactly exactly yeah. you're in it yeah you're in it I'm not going to it's all like right, I don't like that yeah it's do great you, do you like um, if you're in a relationship with someone do you like having them on the road with you or do you prefer like you know this is my work time and I'll see you when I get home um I it depends on the tour maybe I don't know uh I know that I've been on tours where, uh, like, you know, a bandmate has had a, a significant other around, and sometimes it is totally great and fun and fine, <laughs> and then sometimes there's fighting, and then sure. there's like a, 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 it permeates the van like an open bag of Doritos, and um, <laughs> is it like a bad scene? Your love is like an open bag of Doritos. <laughs> now it just smells like Cool Ranch in here. That is honestly, it's the worst, you know, obviously they're amazing, but um, if you open that in an enclosed space, you're just, it's a world of hurt for everyone. Yeah. Are you talking about the relationship or the Doritos? Oh, I, well, both, actually. <laughs> That's I, I honestly I didn't know. know. I, mean, I, I was talking about the, on, uh, was every talking about the Doritos. Every fight was over that. The guy would open up a bag of Doritos and go, again with the Doritos! Right. Please, we have a show. You know what they're called in France? Cool American. What? Funny, yeah. that's what I'm called in France. Too. No, you're not yeah. anywhere. No, no, nope. Right, cool. Yeah, because they don't. Because ranch dressing doesn't mean anything. Oh, right. They're, it's a very American. It's fucking mayonnaise and and, and chives. I don't know what is ranch. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I think ranch is just the. That's just what America sweats out. Like yeah. I don't know what else ranch dressing is. Yeah. But you're from the Midwest, right? I'm from Texas. Well, oh, you're from I'm the a, South. I'm originally from Tulsa. Okay, um, that's what I was thinking. And, but yeah, which is Midwestern and Southern and kind of its own strange world. Um, and then I'm. I grew up in Texas though, so I'm. What mostly... part of Texas? Dallas. Are you from Dallas? <sighs> no, but I, I'm from. <laughs> I feel like you just want one of us to be from Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Like, are you from Dallas? Are you from Dallas? No one. We're not from Dallas. I do like Dallas though. I think Dallas oh. is an okay place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had fun there one it was, like, it was yesterday. I was at a meeting um, with uh, for a, a thing I'm doing. It was like a fashion people and a bunch of French people. And um, and I, I got asked, like, oh, where are you from? And I said, Dallas. And they went, oh, which was the biggest like reaction I'd ever heard from anybody. Wow. I doubt, Dallas never gets that kind of reaction. And it, would they just were fascinated by that? They or? were like, oh, it's, they loved it. They loved Dallas. Isn't I'm it just, kind I've of been, a big fashion place now, isn't it? Because I of guess, the amount of rich people that live in Dallas? There is money there. But you know what's an interesting factoid? I was talking to, to a, a lady who was... Um, I think she did like uh, she worked at one of the big high end department stores and did did the buying for different places and um, she was saying that in Dallas um, dr- dresses don't sell very well like separate sell better like a shirt with a skirt because so many women have uh, breast implants that they you can't like oh, you can't yeah you can't sell a size if you're a woman who would be like a size four but she has like you know oh, double weird. D's or whatever oh, you can't wow. fit into a size four. That's the kind of Freakonomics data that I love yeah, right? hearing. Isn't that cool? Because I and then uh, yeah, like clothes were changed forever. Because... The reason that I like Dallas is because I've just had a lot of good shows there. Like there, mm. I used to perform in Addison at the Improv in Addison, yeah. which is really good. But then I can't remember that I did a little theater thing the last time I was last there. Last time we did a nerd show there was that the one that was a dubstep uh, show going on next door? Mm, yeah, or was that Houston? No, that was he. I don't remember anymore. They all blend together. Um, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I honestly don't remember. But it was a. I don't know. It seemed like a good vibe. But they. I was. But that part of Texas was described to me as like, 
home of the thirty thousand dollar millionaire. Like that is, yeah, that's what make they like say. Thirty to fifty grand, but they'll drive like a, you know, like a Mercedes, and uh, you know, absolutely, like they, they spend their money on material stuff. I feel like that's kind of like here, where there's people like dry, wear their cars yeah that's <laughs> crazy yeah. yeah like it's like you know, getting a jaguar shut up <laughs> i was <laughs> shut up i just shut up i'm just saying facts chris it's weird that you would just be so angry at me for saying the i truth. did okay look i i did but you know we spend so much time in our cars here i get it no i get okay, it good. i yeah. get it i that's mean that's why i got a good reliable honda <laughs> <laughs> my hyundai elantra in the yeah, the, uh, the budget rental car <laughs> yeah. I have is totally understands your Jaguar. Do you live in New York now? Yeah, I do. So you don't even need to have a car. I don't need to have a car. Well, I split my time between New York and Texas because that's where my, my family is, and I have little nieces and nephews that I like. Oh, that's right. nice. Yeah. But when you're in New York, you're just riding bikes with David Byrne. I am actually. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. oh man. <laughs> yeah. That's great. No, David got me super into cycling. Like, um, I would be terrified to ride a bike in New York. No, it's easy. It's the best way to get around. It really is. I saw him riding his bike down the street once when I was in New York, and it was just like, I was like, this is one of the most beautiful moments of my life. It was just I like agree. the nicest thing. Just like real sharp looking. Just a real sharp looking older gentleman on a mm-hmm. bicycle. But they got the grates in there. I get scared of those. The grates? Like oh. the sewer grates. Oh, like you would, like the tire would get stuck? or you? Yeah, yeah, because like there's, some of them are... Uh, parallel with the direction of the street as opposed to uh, perpendicular where you wouldn't get sucked in. Oh, would you have like a thin-tired fixie or something? Yeah, well, you would have a thinner tire, I think, because you're on streets. So you kind of need, you know, that, right? So yeah, you ride a mountain bike? I guess I... BMX? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. doing BMX. Yeah, yeah. You a bunny yeah. hopping over cars? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Send me an Red. <laughs> Red. <laughs> I've just seen people get hit on things, and so it just, I instantly go, like, that'd be me. And, like, car doors. There's a lot of that. I've seen that happen a couple times in New York. Just, like, someone going down the street, and then a guy not paying attention, open up a car door. By the way, we're doing to you right now what my mom does to me whenever I say I want to do something. Well, here's nine ways that can kill you. Thanks for for sucking all the fun juice out of that one. I'm just trying to protect you. Thank you. I feel very well protected now. I'm afraid of those things that I wasn't previously. Thank you. Thank you for the gift. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine though. <laughs> yeah. So when you say music saved your life, do you feel like you're better adjusted as a human being now since having music, or do you feel like, you know, whenever you evolve, there's all this whole new set of sort of things that you have to overcome? Well, well, I'd say I'm better adjusted because I have um, an outlet for the, that which one can't or don't doesn't or won't like express in just daily life mm-hmm. um but i'll say like it, it i mean it's given me my life like i'm a kid from the suburbs i'm sure i would have had a um a somewhat pleasant and maybe boring life like i'd be a you know a history teacher or something in, Gross. in dallas <laughs> I mean, i'm sure that and that's a good that i'm sure i wouldn't you know i wouldn't be um No, I think I would have been uh, uh, hellaciously unhappy if I didn't play music, you know? Well, your family is musical, right? Uh, Sort of. My uncle is an amazing guitar player named Tuck Andrus. He's of a jazz duo called Tuck and Patty. I I am familiar with Tuck and Patty. You are. And I don't know, I can't remember why I know Tuck and Patty, but I know Tuck and Patty. They had kind of a a breakout moment um, in the early 90s. They had a, or late 80s, I want to say, um... They did a really beautiful cover of Cindy Lauper's Time After Time, maybe? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe, yeah. yeah. 
Have you ever covered any Cindy Lauper songs? No, uh, yes, <gasps> but with Cindy Lauper. Oh, fuck, Jesus come on. Christ! <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Which um, one? Um, Which uh, Cindy Lauper? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my God, fuck! What is the one that Prince wrote? It's so good. When you were mine. Oh, when you were mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, have you ever heard Prince's version of that one too? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's, that's a good. So one. good. They're both good. Yeah. Time after time is great. True Colors is a fucking. Oh, that's great a beautiful song. one. Although in in my mind, I I'm thinking of like the '80s Kodak commercial. Oh that's shit! The, I know. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Which wasn't a bad commercial, but I guess. No, but it's still like a commercial. Because when you hear a song, you want to run a certain kind of emotional movie in your head. Yeah. And when that's overtaken, sort of like, you know, like, you're like, oh, if I hear this one Led Zeppelin song, I just see a Cadillac. Exactly. Or like the Misfits with that Sailor Jerry commercial. That's just an odd thing for me now. It's just that that just it just reprograms like what you see in your head. Right. That you don't have the ability anymore. So I totally understand that. But I do think. You could sing the shit out of True Colors. You know, Thanks. it's just something to think about at some point. You did a... I saw you in... Um, it was sort of like um, webcams in a studio, and I feel like you covered a Radiohead song, but I can't remember... Oh, was that for AV Club Undercover? Did you cover... I, did you cover a Radiohead song? I thought you covered a Radiohead song. I don't think I did, because here's the only reason why, is that I don't know how to play any Radiohead songs. Because they're weird? <laughs> I mean, like, their time signatures are all weird. It's weird, you know, it's great music, and, but it's the kind of thing that, like, a frat boy with an acoustic guitar playing Radiohead is, like, the worst thing. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? You're right. For my whole life, I thought it was uh, Sublime Songs. But <laughs> to think about it now, you're right. Radiohead is the worst. I would love to hear Tom York cover, like, What I Got or something <laughs> by Sublime. Probably wouldn't even understand or recognize the song. I feel like that's what would tear the yeah. fabric of the universe in half. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. We'd all just get sucked into this to this vortex. <laughs> I guess I'm crazy. I, I, I For some reason, I thought. But it was... There were there was a whole it was like this studio and there were basically instruments everywhere there was space and you were just like squished in and you were singing but I uh, now I can't remember did what I that do was. that I mean you know what it's entirely possible that I did that and I don't remember like was it a band or was it just me I was it was you were like sitting in with other people but I don't remember what it was, was. it a circular room oh, was it the AV oh, club oh, stuff what, I know what, what it was this? it was was it with Beck and uh, Osmitantes was it in excess oh maybe. Did you cover an NXS song? I did. We covered a whole NXS album. I didn't know that. Yeah, we covered Kick, which has so many hits. Yeah. So many hits. Such a great stack. Such great a great record. record. You got so uh, I Need You Tonight on yeah. there. You got uh, 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 Mediate on there. Devil Inside. Yes, Devil Inside's a good one. Yep. Uh, did any of them skateboard? Cause no. Because there's just a the, video. There's like a Ollie happening, happening on the cover of that album, right? Is that the album? No, no, no. No, no, no. I, I think it's like a. No, now I'm thinking of Madonna. It's like a lady's torso. Is it? I don't know. I thought some way. Now I got to hear that entire what the you covered the entire album. No, it's Kyle just made a note of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was cool. (laughs) It was way cool. It was um, Beck did a thing for a while um, called Record Club, and it's where like he gets bands that he likes together, um, and then he produces and plays like so in my uh, and they we cover like a a record, a classic record, and we did in excess kick, and it was. is that right? Did I just say the right word? Kick? I think so. Okay. Um, and it was Beck, and it was Os Mutantes, who I love, Sergio from Os Mutantes, and the Liars, who were bitching, and then oh, yeah. me. 
I don't think there was anybody else. Yeah, that was it. That's fantastic. It was really fun. It was like four years ago. Oh man, yeah. So we should. We should. Can you email that to me if you yeah. find it, so that I don't have to spend yeah, yeah. time googling things? Yeah. See, there's a there's a sweet yeah. Ollie happening yeah. on the oh, cover sure of. Is. Yeah. Oh. I don't think that's any of them. Cool. Yeah. I just like it's like skateboarding's in right now. <laughs> right, Gleam in the great. Cube is just like a tearing up the movie uh-huh. charts. But I remember when that album came out and it was fucking enormous. Like yeah. every like song after song after oh, song. New Sensation, Need You Tonight, Wildlife, which I don't Never Tear Us Apart. Never Tear Us right? Apart. One of the first bands I think with Calling a on video game. What? They there was a video, a video game? game on Sega CD, I wanna say. What? Yeah. If someone can research that. I remember like they had some kind of video game situation going on. Um, Michael Hutchins has kind of a Jim Morrison vibe. A little that? bit right there, yeah. yeah, that was. Except a little more quaffed because it was the 80s. Yeah. You know? I remember yeah. he had that vibe on that album cover, and then I remember watching the Video Music Awards that year, which is something I did back then. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, he was like uh, glam nerded out. His hair was cut really short, and he had these big, thick glasses on. And I thought that was so fucking cool. Yeah. Right. And it says, Make my video for the Sega CD. Oh, that's right. Was Sega CD before Sega Genesis? Uh, it was after. See, so it went from it was Sega Master System, Sega Genesis, and then there became all these attachments like uh, Sega CD, Sega 32X. Okay. Uh, and like, yeah, Sega CD was just the worst thing. Editing music video for NXS using random shots. Oh, okay. So that was okay. Like crowdsourcing. Sort of early video crowd game. Early crowdsourcing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was crisscross, just the timestamp. Wow. Oh. So, so um, the last time I played Sega Genesis was when Sonic the Hedgehog was a thing. Yes. But is there still a Sega like is system there? that no, people no, can buy? Just the software company now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. Uh, they don't make the the Sega Genesis was huge, and then after that, it just the Saturn tanked, and then the Dreamcast was really great, but didn't sell because oh. it came out sort of between generations and it bankrupted the company. Was that the one that was like a hologram? Uh, it had a little screen on the control. Do you not do you, do you not play like in the tour bus? Do you not have like an Xbox or anything? And you... <laughs> I don't. I I mean, there's usually in the tour bus. There's like a video game console of some sort. Um, let me think of the last time I played a video game was probably um, there's a place called the Paps Theater in Milwaukee. Oh yeah, I performed there. Yeah, it's lovely, and they but they have like an old school Nintendo. So I played Mike Tyson's Punch Out. That's which, what I, I play that thing. Yeah, which is such a great game. Except, uh, didn't they have to like? It became Punch Out with Mr. Dream, where they replaced Mike Tyson yeah. after he tried to kill people. I thought <laughs> I thought it was the rape allegation. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Could have been that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could have been that too. Okay. That be the other thing too. Yeah, that Pap Theater is really nice. It's really nice, and there's really good coffee there. Like they have a barista who comes in, and the catering's amazing. Oh, nice. Shit. Yeah, I it's think a good I'm town. Again. Milwaukee's a good town. It is a good town. Are you playing? In LA anytime soon? Yeah. What? When? Uh, I'll look it up on the internet. On in March, I think, um, at the uh, Wiltern. <gasps> oh, yeah. That's a good It'll venue to see you in. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Can we come to that? Of course. Okay, yeah, good, come. Yeah, just buy a fun. ticket. It's easy. I would love to. <laughs> yeah, anyone can get it. <laughs> yes, I will get. Yes, that's fine. That's what I meant. I'm there's still tickets available. Um, yeah. <laughs> He's really hurting for cash right now. If you get him on the guest list, he'll bring in an amp. Anything. <laughs> Anything you can I promise I will oh, not no. plug in your pedal to a different outlet than <laughs> yeah. the amp so that you don't shock your face. Thank yeah. you. That'd be really shitty. Thank you. you shock your face. And then, and one of these days, I will send you. Um, my best friend and I made a 
we did a bluegrass cover of like 18 Radiohead songs. Whoa. So it's like 18 radio. It's just, we made this thing called Rodeohead, and it was like it's 18 Radiohead songs in four minutes, but bluegrass style. It's 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 ridiculous. Wait, eighteen radioheads. It's like eighteen in radio- four minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we it's like a it's like a medley. So we we jump around and then like take the bass line from one song and put it on put it like underneath the uh, the you know the melody of another song. So you're a super music nerd. Well, he's the, he, these guys are way bigger music nerds. I I like some things about music, but these guys would talk me well, under he's the got me. table. He's got me. He's got you? Yeah, yeah. He knows way more about that. I wasted most of my life. You're great live, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. It's just stuff, you know, like just how some guys sports scores stick in their head for some reason, you know, it's yeah. records. No, yeah, yeah. It is, yeah exactly. I know like what you mean. Re- <laughs> for me, it's like pop punk records from the '90s. Like I, I can tell you when they all came out, but I don't know why. I don't really listen to them anymore. But it's still there, it's yeah. still there. Do you still find that you're able to enjoy um, music on a on a level of? Not, like not being a songwriter where you can just appreciate it oh, or do you God, still yeah. like oh okay good so you don't listen to stuff and go oh they should have done this or I see what no, they did no I don't do that I don't do that I mean if something's like you know sometimes I can marvel at like how how kind of shitty something is like wow this is like a, this like is like what like what event. what would you use as an example no I wouldn't say put her on this <laughs> but I'm sure she um, means most of the things that are in the top ten uh, on iTunes right sure sure <laughs> um, but but no I mean I like I never I never had that period of being like oh well I don't know they didn't use a dominant seven there so I feel. <laughs> That's a real missed opportunity. Like I don't have that. I don't care. I like it. I'm I'm excited. I'm psyched about music. You know, it's but it's interesting to like have some. um, You know, I'm 31 now. So me too. Really? Yeah. Let's plan our our funerals. Yeah, yeah. Feels Um, like it. I'm close to that. (laughs) Here's how I know it's starting to become a real adult. I went to Urban Outfitters and I couldn't find anything to buy. Oh yeah, yeah. First time. First time. It was real sad. That's your benchmark. Yeah, sure. It was just kind of a jokey thing to say, I thought, and uh, got a couple laughs, and uh, yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't my mission statement for the year. Uh. <laughs> Urban Outfitters has really discovered this. Like they've gone all internety. So like the like the last time I was in one a couple like a month ago, and it was just all fucking memes on shirts. Yeah, yeah. it was just like here's the grumpy cat section, and here's yeah. the you know. The Heisenberg face section, and yeah. here's the very '90s now too. Like that's it was. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the thing is you see. Oh yeah, the girls are wearing see... like the boots with the the dresses and Absolutely. yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Jean Garofalo style coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They basically, just watch the movie Singles, and they're all dressing like that. Totally. Yeah. yeah. A reality bites. Yeah, a reality bites. Yeah. Singles yeah. totally holds up, by the way. Yeah. I Touch d- me, I'm dick. I actually went to the um place the place in Seattle where they. Uh, film single. Oh, really? Yeah, that, the apartment? By the apartment, yeah. That's awesome. I tried to find the apartment. Yeah. I remember being so excited when I was in Seattle for the first time, and um, like I saw Aloha Street, and I was like, that's where the, the party was that Jeremy Pivot was yeah. inviting him to. <laughs> <laughs> Before you go down on Aloha Street. Yeah. What's so funny you about space, space, space? Someday that guy's going to grow a bunch more hair and be really <laughs> handsome. <laughs> no. I swear. Yeah. I'm from the future. Yeah. <laughs> also, has anyone, since like Mashups have become such a thing, has anyone gone back and done that? No. Done the public enemy uh, Elvis Costello? Costello mashup? No. They should. Oh. Using samples from Jeremy Piffman, Piffin in the old movie. That's a good idea. Do it. Internet. Do you, uh, how, do you, 
do you have you thought about doing like mashupy type of stuff or do you I mean there's a really th- what's interesting to me about your music is that it it feels like you're putting two things together that work really well together like especially what I thought was originally called digital wetness <laughs> Oh my god, that's what I was gonna call the tour Are you serious? Yeah, 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 because it's called Digital Witness But I was like, okay, sh- what should I name the upcoming tour? And I was like, the Digital Witness tour <laughs> And nobody, I got shot down at my, you know, my people who sometimes have better When judgment. I first saw the song Digital Witness, my brain read it as Digital Witness That is fucking awesome And I, I was like, I, I didn't hear the song, I, I don't know what this song's about But that's fucking amazing <laughs> Soul. It's the guy from earlier in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, I need a new keyboard again. (laughs) Honey, stop ruining them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I thought it was digital wetness. Um, But it's it's you 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 have this really really pretty voice where you you stick the landing on the notes, but then there's also this other kind of like. Just your music. I, I don't know. It's like I could totally picture you with just like a guitar and just doing sing. But I don't know where where does the inspiration to kind of mash all of your stuff together? I don't know. Um, I mean, I think it was kind of like a process of realizing that you know, I okay. So your voice is based on your build and your musculature and all the all the shit and the the, the shape of your um, cranium, right? Mm-hmm. So like. People are, are get born with certain instruments, and they can train them, and they can you know make them sing better in pitch or whatever. But y- the sound of your voice is the sound of your voice. So, I um, but I like you know aggressive music and stuff with a harder edge sometimes. And um, so it was kind of like a, this this grand tr- trial and error experiment, like how to um, how to like combine those two things that are. There, where there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance because I have like I'm a girl and I have a girl voice I have a white girl voice you know and um, but the music kind of like tells a different story mm-hmm. you know and I can be very lacerating with the guitar and kind of use that as um, as the violence so it's just kind of like okay let's see if these two things kind of can coexist in a way that's convincing. And do you feel like you're kind of getting to the heart of that with each album? Is that what you're exploring? Are you exploring, um, are you exploring like emotional things? Or are you exploring like music things? Like what's your, where, where do your, where does your head go first? Oh, all of my head goes everywhere. I mean, at like, I think as a songwriter, you know, I'm that kind of idea of like unique universality, like, okay, this one little detail, tells tells so much about um that kind of human inter- interaction or that kind of emotional state um so i try to th- write this is so boring i'm it's boring it's not myself. boring this is the stuff I like i'm to so hear about. boring <laughs> um i'm i try to write like from a you know write the little tiny details and the shit that you the terrible thoughts you think that you probably wouldn't say or that you feel ashamed to admit or even like trying to elevate the mundane a little bit or shine a light on it. Um, and, uh, and store, I mean, storytelling, even if it's a little bit opaque or whatever, um, just enough information where people can superimpose themselves into it. And, um, yeah. And the musically, I don't know. I just like chase after stuff that I hear in my head and hope to get it, get it on, on, you know, on paper, on, on tape or 
Pro Tools, as it were. <laughs> on wax. <laughs> yeah. I tried to do a record. I tried to do my second record on tape, um, which is a lot, you know. It's big right now. Yeah. But, you know, the thing with tape is, like, I move things around, and I'm like, oh, no, I should double that chorus, and I should this and that and whatever, and I'm kind of a tinkerer in that way. And, like, with tape, it was... Such a shit show. It was like, <laughs> I want to add an extra four beats to the <laughs> chorus. Okay, I'm going to take lunch. And when I come back, the dude might have like spliced, you know, spliced it yeah, together. Yeah. And it's like, oh. I want to add four beats here. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, you already, you already did it. It got to that point where I was like, okay, I'm making non-musical decisions because I don't want to stop working and like take an hour for. for There's the something theater. interesting about that, though. The idea of how immediate and how like, you know. It, there will be fuck ups that you can't control. Yeah. And in, in a in a Pro Tools world where it's like you can easily go, ah, that's a bit off. I'm going to redo that, and that's I'm just going to punch true. it in. And the idea that you're like, there's these little fuck ups and these little kind of honest things that happened while it was happening that kind of add to that kind of stuff. Well, not, that's no. totally real. Yeah. Not only that, but also, you know, if you if you have no barriers, sometimes that can actually be limiting because you don't have anything to sort of. Guide you. To weave around. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I, I even find, even like in television or whatever, when you'll get notes on something, it's kind of good sometimes because it forces you to get more creative is that if you could just do anything. Yeah. Like, limitations are actually where you're forced to dig down and be more creative other than like, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. What do I want? It's yeah, fun. exactly. I don't know. It's exactly. funny. Uh, there was, uh, I was talking to my, my friend's band once and I, like, they put out a seven inch and I was like, I was like, oh, I was talking to the drummer. I was like, oh, there's a spot in the drum drum part like where you stop like and then like you come in in the weirdest spot but it's just it's so rad like like what how'd you think of that because it was so weird to me but it sounded so rad he's like oh it was like we were running down the wire we had to be have the drums tracked that was the last opportunity to do that song everything else was good except i dropped my stick and stopped playing got another stick and then just came in (laughs) and then like i was like that's incredible. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm doing it now when we play it live. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's just this like accident that happened that ended up making it such an interesting, you know, drum part. And that kind of serendipity is great, and that works for. But I'm not. I didn't. I wasn't a. Ba- I'm not a band, you know. So I wasn't even like. It was like not for people just playing a, playing their feelings in a room. It was like, oh man, that. So it didn't work out on on tape for me. But yeah, yeah. But it totally is is a vibey thing, a vibey choice for others. So when they, when you're on things or when they introduce you, do you, are you introduced as Annie or as Saint Vincent? Oh God, you know what? I just I don't even know because it's I sometimes just for brevity's sake, like oh hi, this is Saint Vincent. But you know that that always feels a little that's obviously a little silly. So whatevs. Nobody calls me Saint Vincent in my daily life. My mom calls me Annie. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> then Annie ye shall be. Um, well, this was, I guess we're at about, oh yeah, we're at a little over an hour. This was the podcast. We did it. We, we did sure it. did. We won the race. We did. <laughs> did we get hired by you? You're all hired. Oh. Hey! I don't want to work with Kyle. Oh. <sighs> You're right. <laughs> uh, we'd like to hand in our resignations. <laughs> We just hired you, um, but uh, I really hope to see. You, I really hope to see you more and do some like pop around some more comedy stuff too. Yeah, and I really like hope to. that you end up on Louis' show at some point. Oh, come now! He's Put doing it on the it. vision board. He's doing it now. He's doing it now. Oh man! You're popping on the at midnight show. I think um, Nico's on one of the shows tonight. Nico Case. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Wait, yes. that's great. Is she going to be here? Yeah. 
Oh, cool! I like that lady. She's hilarious. She's, great. she's a good lady. She's I like her. Lady. I can't remember if she's on the. Real good. Can't remember if she's on the beautiful voice. Yeah. I'm sure she's on the first show or the second show. If she's on the first show, then you'll then you'll see her. But it's great. Um, she's pretty. I like that. The show can have just just people who are funny. Well, I had to. It was I had to sell them on it. I'm sure because they were like. Musicians. Why would we have? And I go, no, no, you got to hear her. She's really fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the show should, doesn't have to just be comedians. Like there are funny people who are not comedians. Yeah, definitely. And so uh, she's a, she, she's kind of a fun experiment of like. She's gonna be great. She's, she's yeah. gonna knock it out of the park. I think she's gonna knock it out of the yeah. park too. And thank you for doing the show, and thank you for doing the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. And I like this podcast, and I like the show. Well, thank you very much. You're I'm welcome. a. I re, I genuinely. I no bullcrap. I am a huge fan of your work, and thank you. so it was. I was very excited when I heard that you were going to come on the podcast and come on the show too. And especially like when I first heard that you had done stuff with Ackerman, I'm like, oh, well, if she knows Ackerman, she obviously is in this comedy world in a oh, weird yeah. sort of way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm tied with the Portlandia crew. Nice. Got it. Got it. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Lua, 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 lua. Annie, 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 um, enjoy Brito, everyone. <laughs> what, Nanny? Yeah. So, we gotta, we gotta shoot the opening with her coming out of the comedy cellar. Yeah. yeah. Singing. <laughs> That's a music video. You could just do Louis' opening as a music video. It would fucking destroy. Man. People would love it. You think he'll have the same title, like title credits? You know, because he gets really esoteric with his format. Like, you think he'll have the same title? It's, opening I'm credits? surprised he hasn't changed it already. Man. I, I'm not surprised, actually, because it's become so iconic with the show, which yeah. I guess is when he might shake it up. But I think, since we're deep diving, I think that's an opportunity to kind of do like a Simpsons Easter egg thing where it's always something. It's all, there's always something yeah. weird in the background or different or like there's a different celeb, like a different famous person eating pizza in the pizza shop or oh, whatever. Yeah, or you could do it like The Wire and have you know a different artist, for example, sing the theme song every time. Oh, oh yeah, every... they did that for um, Weeds. Weeds too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they did. Yeah, yeah. 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 Man, man did one. I of them. think Tim DeLauder, uh, your bro, um, your best, <laughs> we're tight. your we're best bro. We did, are best friends. Did, yeah. I think he wrote the theme song to that. Why do I think that? No, no, no. He did it for United States of Terra. Oh, he did the for United States of Terra? Yeah. No. Nurse Betty? Betty. Nurse, Nurse, Nurse Jackie. Jackie. Nurse Jackie. Nurse Jackie. Something like that. Nurse Betty was Renee Zelliger. A good movie. movie. Underrated movie. Was that a good movie? Yeah, yeah. It's real dark. You know what's a great movie? What? To Die For. Oh, that oh, is a yeah, great yeah, movie. Great I haven't movie. seen that in so long. Nicole Kidman, long. Nicole Kidman. Yeah, yeah. she's great. Yeah, in that's that. a great movie. She really is fantastic in that movie, yeah. and also just such a. It, I feel like that movie might have been a. I mean, it was a big movie at the time, but I feel like it was also a little bit ahead of its time, just in terms of like fame obsession. I think so too. Yeah. That it so applies to, like now, with the exception being like that was and that was a pre YouTube world. Yeah. So now it's even. I think it's even more applicable. But now, as we say this out loud, some fucking studio person is going to be like, "Oh yeah, we should reboot that. Don't yeah. reboot it. Don't do that. It was unless good. You're, unless you're Todd Haynes and you're like, I need to do it again. <laughs> Nobody else should touch that. Please movie. don't do. Please don't do it again. Uh, good to see you, Annie. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was really fun. Thank I'm enjoying you. my time in Los Angeles. Oh, good. It's a nice yeah. time to be here. Oh my God, it's a weather's shit show not in oppressive. New York. Oh, you know? it's lovely. Yeah, people are happy here. It's weird. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. I love it. Yeah. my favorite city. Ooh, all right, the end. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I know they're new. I'm so sorry, Katie. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. 
Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.